Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app. Joined by John Schuster, Ben White, Emma Clark behind the scenes, making us look better than we should. Um, Arizona, a team that did not look better than it should uh, tonight against uh, Stanford, losing 88 to 79. There's a lot to take away from this uh, team um, but and this game. But first and foremost, couple things. Arizona did not play well. It was a lethargic performance by the Wildcats. You just look at it and uh, Stanford 10 of 18 from the field and on top of that, or 10 of 18 from three and Arizona just getting pushed around when it really mattered most. Way too many offensive rebounds given up. Um, We'll talk about all that, but guys, initial thoughts. What did you think? I think the offensive rebound thing was the key to the game. Uh, Arizona needed in a game where stops are already difficult for your defense. Arizona seemed to be playing a step behind in the first half from a defensive standpoint, Stanford got a very nice balanced attack. It kept them in the game, put up 41 points in the second half. Then Jones took over the game and that kept Stanford around. And then they got comfortable and got confident in the rest of it. But when Arizona was able to, forced Stanford into missing an initial shot. It seemed like that was when Stanford got an offensive rebound and was able to reset and ultimately get a bucket. So on possessions down the floor, the way that this game was supposed to go is that Arizona's offense was ultimately supposed to wear Stanford down. It worked out the other way uh, tonight. And it was just, and it's, you know, it's unfortunate for a variety of reasons and frustrating. And I, I think to a large degree, you can hope it's an outlier and it's likely that it is. To me, possibly the biggest frustration in the grand scheme of things is that this was Ramey's marquee game right. by far. Yeah. He was phenomenal tonight. And what instead we're talking about is that uh, Arizona got upset by a team that's upside down uh, overall on the season and clearly got its marquee win of the campaign. Yeah, in, in an amazing way, it's it's almost weird that Arizona only lost by nine, considering Stanford shot 61% from the field. Tubelis only had four points, a, a career low by him by far, and it just wasn't Arizona's game. I think from a from a front court standpoint, obviously, when you don't have Balo and especially when you don't have Tubelis going, you can shoot all the threes you want. Ramey can have 26 points. You know, Larson could be a contributor. Boswell can be a contributor, but as we know with this Arizona team, it starts and ends with Tubelis, and he was just a non-factor tonight, got in foul trouble very early, and uh, Arizona was just not able to pivot away from that. You know, they do not have a plan B when Tubelis and uh, 
especially Balo and Tabalas, do not play well. And I think that was evident tonight. Stanford looked like the more experienced team. They did some good things on the defensive side. Spencer Jones really got going in the second half, and they just looked more experienced out there than Arizona did today. Yeah, and Ben, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. The other, th- but this game to me was kind of lost. This game to me was lost on the defensive side for Arizona. Stanford to me got way too many second chances, easy threes. I mean, across the board, this is a Stanford team that isn't very good, and they just dropped 88 points on you. I don't care where it is; they just dropped 88 points on you right there. Now we'll get into Zoo. We'll get into Julius Tabellis. We'll get into Umar Ballo. But um, like I said. This was a big problem. This was a game where this was far too easy for Stanford, and Stanford's not a good team, Shu. And it, it, it was, <clears throat> yeah, and, and obviously when you come into tournament time, uh, this is the type of performance that can't happen. You can't play catch-up on the defensive end, which is, again, what Arizona did. Uh, they Stanford got ran some nice stuff that kind of confused Arizona, and it allowed them to get some open looks. And then Arizona was trying to adjust and and then Stanford was able to go to another option. And then when all of that, you know, when, when it looked like Arizona was able to climb the mountain, uh, then, as you noted, Mike, the offensive rebound thing, I think, really worked against him and probably was uh, the final nail. There's there's plenty of and but Arizona just got off a seven game win streak where they were holding teams into the 50s and 60s on a regular basis. So which is more likely the outlier here? Uh, hopefully. It's that Arizona gave up 88 to Stanford. That's not the norm. Uh, that more than likely Arizona's a team that's going to play a better defense. I was kind of fascinated by the direction that they decided to go and Lloyd's stubbornness. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. To, to stick with uh, the seven-man rotation as opposed to because we knew at some point in this campaign that Tabellus or Ballo were going to have off nights. What we didn't necessarily expect to see or hoped not to see was that for different reasons, Tabellus and Ballo were going to have off nights. But the point of having Vasar on this roster and to a lesser degree, a guy like Anderson on this roster is that they can buy you minutes here and there on the interior and you go with uh, a reasonable core with a traditional big man. Arizona decided to move in another direction here and play small. And in the first half, it worked. There was a there was a sequence where I think Larson had two steals and uh, they got breakaway uh, buckets. And there was another possession there where Stanford was rushed. So at times, clearly that worked, too. But what it yielded was that offensive rebound problem. And Stanford did a real good job tonight of taking advantage of what Arizona, whatever it was Arizona was trying to do and being a step ahead of it. And Arizona's ability to play catch up just wasn't enough. Yeah, and- I don't I don't care what you say. You know, when you take Tubelis out of the game and you take Balo out of the game there towards the end, it, it, you've got to find a way to get, I think, Vesar or I, I, or Anderson or somebody in the game in the sense that Stanford knows exactly what Arizona is going to do. I mean, they did go zone a little bit and it, it just seemed to throw Arizona off in terms of shooting there at the end. And uh, it, it got to a point there at the end too, where, you know, obviously Arizona had a chance to kind of get back into that one, but Creesa went cold feet on two open threes. And uh, again, when you play catch up and you have these types of challenges, especially in the front court, I don't care if you're Arizona. I don't care if you're any team in college basketball, quite frankly, if you don't have your bigs in the game and your best player is in foul trouble with four fouls and you're terrified to throw him out there. You're not going to win. It, it doesn't matter if it's Stanford. It doesn't matter if it's Oregon State. I mean, just the margin for error just 
wasn't there today, considering all the circumstances. And like we've talked about, I mean, this isn't a, a, a situation that we've run into all year. Tubelis has never had a game like this. We've never seen, you know, the bigs essentially just disappear and and really provide Arizona nothing on both the offense and defensive end. So to me, it's, it's kind of a one-off situation. It just wasn't Arizona's night. And again, yeah, come tournament time, obviously you can't at least let these types of things happen. But considering how Stanford shot, considering the... Uh, game that Tubelis had, it uh, the odds certainly didn't stack up in Arizona's favor, and it's it just happened how it happened today. One thing that I don't quite get here, and we're gonna, we're, well, I'll tell you one, well, two things. First, what I do get is the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Here's the deal: you put down five bucks, and you can bet against any team that Shane, or excuse me, any NBA team that Shane Diefenbach, who's slithering around here in the comments, likes. You can bet against them in the NBA game, and you can get up to $200 in free plays. 21 and up, Arizona only. you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Shane Diefenbach is a good guy, but we need to root against whoever he roots for right now. Check it out on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And, oh, geez, let's say you're annoyed by somebody like Shane Diefenbach over at ASU. You might think to yourself, all right, well, all right, Shane's annoying me. I need to get some OGs to settle down. Go to your or local- maybe uh, Arizona's annoying you. Go to your local dispensary and check it out. Get that um, OGs. Well, uh, all kinds of flavors, indica, sativas, you name it, they've got it, OGs. All right, here's what I'm trying to reconcile myself with. And um, I'm going to give you guys some confidence here. Rich Creo makes a very good point. Uh, Barry 520 down. I'm going to give you something here. Arizona right now on the year is 22 and 4. Um, but here's where I guess I'm a little bit confused. Unlike ASU, who doesn't really beat good teams, Arizona has a win over Tennessee, very good team. Indiana, Big Ten, but still very good team. Creighton, we all knew that they would be back in the top 25. They are. They won again today. They'll be in the top 20. UCLA, very good team. San Diego State, top 25 team. Those are the five best teams that Arizona's played all year. Arizona won all five of those games. Then. They also have a home loss to Washington State. They have a loss to Stanford, both double-digit losses right there. That's where I'm a little bit confused there, fellas. And I think we all are. Uh, It's not easy to crack that, and it makes Arizona a really interesting team come uh, Selection Sunday because you look at the first points that you rattled off on that line, and Arizona has among the best wins in the country, and four losses, they ought to be a number one seed. But how many teams that are also on that line – in the discussion, Houston, Alabama, Kansas, Kansas State. Uh, apologies if I get those slotted a little bit off here and there. Uh, uh, you know, Virginia, UCLA uh, are you, you know have that kind of variance. Right. Probably not a lot of those. So it becomes St. Mary's. It becomes a very interesting conversation in there. What you do with Arizona? I think Arizona helps itself. This this isn't a problem. I think it's going to come down to this if things go as we think they could. Now the game at USC, not UCLA, the game at USC becomes that much more significant because I thought going into this situation, Arizona should win at Cal. They should win at Stanford. They're probably going to win next week. Right. Pretty, you know, they're obviously a favorite at ASU. You go into the LA swing in the last weekend of the season and you've got two very difficult teams playing well, but if you can get a split, especially a win over USC, you're going to be in the conversation for a number one seed, regardless of what happens against UCLA. 
Now maybe you <laughs> waffled that a little bit, but my guess is this. And if if things go as we think they will, there isn't a big outlier. Arizona doesn't go on a three-game losing streak or some, something like that. If if they see UCLA in the finals of the uh, Pac-12 tournament, that team is going to be the number one seed. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, I think that's gen- – because also you can probably find flaws in the resumes of a bunch of other teams as well. Uh, that are on that line and, and fairly strong, you know. Now, does this put Arizona in a position where it can be a number one overall seed? No, but can they be a number one seed still? Yeah, and I think there's a very solid chance that that can still happen. You're in this weird situation. I just don't know that there are are there that many really great teams out there that you look at from other conferences, and right now you're saying, man, I think I think they're going to have to ship you know, the number two team from the big 12 out to the West because UCLA and Arizona aren't good enough or St. Mary's isn't good enough. Uh, or they're going to have to ship that, you know, winner from the ACC out there because you're doing something with somebody. I, I, I feel like Arizona and UCLA still remain in very good shape despite this performance from Arizona of being on that one line. If they can take care of relative business and taking care of relative business is beating everybody else other than UCLA in LA. If you beat UCLA in LA, you help your case immensely. But but those are the big games and and perhaps matchups in the Pac-12, uh, Pac-X tournament become uh, all that more significant. One thing I do want to say real quick, uh, and then we'll get to Ben, Lost Highway and a, a couple other people are saying Arizona can't get a number one seed anymore. To me, that's nonsense, um, with all due respect. Um, Arizona right now, again, is 22-4, and four, probably going to drop to about eight. But you look around college basketball, everybody has dropped games. Ha- Kansas had a two-game losing streak just earlier. You look around the rest of the league, Purdue's probably locked in it as a one seed. Houston's probably locked in as a one seed. But outside outside of that, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of basketball to be played there. So Arizona still very much has, in my opinion, a um, they control their destiny. In my opinion, if Arizona wins out, loses one game to UCLA, I think there's a great chance they get a number one seed. You're looking at being 32 and five at that point. Um, Rich Carrillo, great point you made about Arizona winning the uh, the games they winning, not great uh, top 300 wins or excuse me, uh, uh, but at the end of the day. Tennessee, Indiana, Creighton, UCLA, San Diego State. I'll put those wins against pretty much anybody in the country. So that's, again, this was a bad performance. And we're going to get to the ref complaints here in just a second. But at the end of the day, Ben, it's still a good resume. It is a good resume. And like you hinted at there, right? I mean, let's not even just talk about holistically this season. Let's just talk about today and other teams in college basketball. Four teams in the top 12 lost today. Arizona, Iowa State, Kansas State, and Tennessee. So we can't ignore that. And you're exactly right. If Arizona does what they need to do, they get up against UCLA in LA, or granted, you go to the Pac-12 tournament and you you win that tournament, you're still in a position for a one one seed. And, you know, I think not to get too into the nitty-gritty when it comes to quad one, quad two, and all that good stuff, because we, we've seen that work. You know, that can be a double-edged sword in the sense that it can favor a team or it can hurt a team. But Stanford's only technically a quad two loss. So it's, it's not the end of the world. I think you look across college basketball, and I think you look at the circumstances, especially the way Arizona lost today. If Tubelis played fairly well and, you know, Arizona's guards looked to shelve themselves and you saw significant regression, 
I think that would cause some concern and have definitely some alarms going off in our heads. But we know that Tubalus was in foul trouble. He was virtually a non-factor. This is probably never going to happen again, considering the sample size and considering the player that he is. So I think for me, and I think everybody looking at college basketball this year, and I would certainly hope the committee because as black and white as these things can seem, these wins, these losses, it's still humans at the end of the day making a decision based off who gets the number one seed, who gets the number two seed, et cetera, in the NCAA tournament. And I think when you look at circumstances, not only for Arizona today, but for teams across the country in college basketball, it's just one of those years where there's just a lot of flukiness. And I think that has to be taken into consideration a lot here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's talk about Azulis Tabellis now. I mean, we've talked about... Um, We've talked about this a great deal about how he's got, you know, he's one of the handful of best players in the country. Um, but uh, this was a game where he was an MIA. I mean, four points, you're, you need more from him. You need more from him in a game like this, especially when you're on the ropes. And, you know, he just really won there. Um, again, uh, you can't expect him to be Superman all season. But at the same time, I think we also know that this was a guy that, um, you know, when you're a first-team All-American, you got to show up in games like this, Shu. Well, you know, uh, and you touched on it. This is uh, Arizona's played 26 games this year. Tabellus has been good in how many of those games? Probably 25. <laughs> right. I mean. uh, you know, okay. He got, in, he got in foul trouble. They couldn't go to him. They had a good game plan against him. He had an off night. Uh, middle of February, I guess it happens. There are probably a lot of other really good players who had off nights. Uh, he's, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go with the mulligan on this one. And especially with somebody who was in foul trouble, um, that makes things uh, very difficult. Arizona tried to go to him again in the second half. He w- he was, as you noted, because of fouls, largely ineffective in the first half, and it just wasn't it wasn't there today. And you know, to a large degree, credit to Stanford too. The Cardinal today, you know, and and something else to keep in mind. I, I know their record isn't very good, and they're woefully inconsistent. Stanford recently came off a five-game winning streak. And the reason that they came off a five-game winning streak is because, for whatever reason, their offense improved significantly uh, over the course of, what, what, the last two or three weeks. So they're a better team, you know, should they beat Arizona at Maples? No. But they're a better team, I think, than their overall record indicates, and they've been playing better basketball of late uh, than that. So, you know, you, you deal with a lot of those factors. Stanford had a better game plan that he could utilize effectively. It kept Arizona off balance, and the Cats' best player was saddled with fouls. And they shot 61% from the field, which is nice. Right. 10 of 18 yeah. from three. Yeah, right there. That's so, the game. All right. Now, uh, I want to talk a little bit now about um, – all right, now let's see here. Rich Carrillo, and then we're going to get to the referee remarks right here. Yes, those early wins will certainly help, but the Pack x come on, come on, guys. It's a, ben. It's a movement. Ben, it's movement. <laughs> we only get two teams, USC and Oregon are iffy. That's uh yes, that is uh, that's very, very true right there. But we have a one we have somebody up here that believes that somehow I am being paid or that PHNX is being paid by the officials to not criticize them. So again, here's what we're gonna do. We will okay a laws of nature. All right, what a gas bag. All right. Of course, at PHNX Sports, to quote our good friend Kevin Woodman, um, doesn't address the referee since they're sponsored by the bookies. All right. I'm going to tell you something here. I have long felt and I have talked about this many, many times. Pac-12 officials are the worst in the country. They just are. There's no they've always been to 
And, you know, anybody that says uh, they aren't, they're wrong. This probably wasn't a a greatly officiated game. As a matter of fact, it wasn't. But I'm not going to blame the officials for this loss because I thought Arizona played a very poor performance right here. Um, I can blame officials for losses when, you know, I think a team played well and you're like, what the heck's going on with the officiating? Again, officiating was dookie, as some people would say, but I'm also not blaming the officials for this loss. Arizona's got a lot to look in the mirror off this one shoe. With Yeah, I, that's that's a lot of what it comes down to. And then you're getting into these conversations about, uh, you know, didn't Purdue lose to a team that was under 500? I'm sure the Big Ten refs were, you know, on the take in that one, probably with DraftKings, Illinois. Uh, you know, I think there was a major up, ACC upset or two. You know, un, uh, undoubtedly the ACC refs were in the tank uh, in those matchups there. I know Gonzaga lost a home game where uh, – they were a, you know, somebody like Loyola Marymount or San Francisco, you know, that snapped their streak. And I know that, uh, you know, the amount of money, you know, since online gambling is uh, available, I believe, in Washington as well. Man, the amount of coin that the uh, refs in that conference uh, made in that game is just absolutely immense because the whole time they were in cahoots with uh, DraftKings in all of those locations. <laughs> in all of those states. So Because when DraftKings looks at it. it it's an incredible, um, you know, the the uh, depth of DraftKings influence on collegiate officiating from random games, you know, and, 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 and the randomness is really the point there where where they do a phenomenal job of uh, keeping you off balance because you really don't know exactly what game it's going to be. For instance, you know, everybody who was expecting something to happen, you would have figured, well, Cal, but if Cal, a three and 20 team gets the W against a top four team in Arizona. That raises red flags, and you know that the refs are in cahoots with DraftKings. DraftKings is smarter than that. They, 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 they keep you on your toes. They go from conference to conference. And when upsets happen, there's all you can always somehow – you got to be clever about this, but you can always trace it back to the <laughs> online gaming app and specific referees in those conferences to get the real big money. And of course, John Schuster is kidding, but we needed to make fun of that post because of how ridiculously stupid it was. They had nothing to do with this loss right here. Again, uh, I don't expect anything out of Pac-12 officials, but this is on the cats. Um, but let me let me ask you this. What do we – and I felt this from the beginning of the season. Arizona, again, has a lot of very good things that uh, we've talked about pretty much all years because generally we're talking about a win. We're not ASU. We're generally talking about a win after the game. Um, But the margin for error with this team, as far as talents, as far as talent goes is it's not next level. Like it was last year. I know the records are similar, but I look at this team right here. How many NBA guys are on this team? Again, Tabellas probably makes an NBA roster. Um, maybe some guys down the road. Last year, you had dudes that you knew for a fact were going to play in the NBA and probably not only play in the NBA, but be significant contributors. You knew that Matherin, you knew Coloco, you knew Terry had the talent too. You lost those guys. With all due respect, and again, Pella Larson, good player. Um, Umar Ballo, good player. Those dudes are different. They're, at, they're just not that same level of impact right there. So this team's margin for error is not like last year's team was. In a weird way, I think that's a testament to Tommy Lloyd. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think when you look at last year's team compared to this year's team, it's a it's a completely different construction and roster and, and coaching job by Lloyd as well. But uh, again, I think when we zone in specifically on this year's margin for error when it comes to this team, 
I, I think when you look at Tubelas and Balo, that is your engine. That is your key to victories. If you don't have those guys, and if you really don't have Tubelas doing anything, you, you're not going to have much much of a shot. I think it comes down to the inside-outside game that we've talked about all year. Arizona can do as well as they want to do from three. They can have Ramey kind of have the game he did today, which was obviously a career high. But again, it, it's one of those things just with the way that this team is structured. If if Tubelas is giving you essentially nothing, which he did today, you're not going to have much of a chance because all teams have to do is pack the paint. And, you know, if you're not going to throw anything, anything else out there, then you're really in trouble if you're Arizona. And uh, one thing Lloyd has even said, and I'm sure we'll get a little bit more into it as we go on, but uh, he was asked essentially in the postgame presser saying, you know, when it comes to Tabellus's foul trouble, was there a, a, a plan B? What was the backup? And he essentially said that he's our best player. We've got to live and die with him on the floor. And that's on me not putting him out there. So, again, I know he had four fouls, but at the same time, if you don't have him out there, in my mind, Arizona doesn't have a chance in many games. Just being honest. All right. Now, we've got to talk real quick about the tap and bottle watch parties. Matthew Bothwell, $3 super sticker right there. Appreciate you. I still don't know what that means exactly. i got to find out when it's off. But again, tap and bottle watch party was fantastic. Great people showing up. Matthew Bothwell, our good friend Nate Rady was down there. Ryan Cunningham, all kinds of good stuff. Um, love to see you down there for Peaks as well. Um, and Mountain Mike's Pizza. Mountain Mike's Pizza was not down there, but you can go to Oracle and Wetmore like John Schuster has in the past and get Mountain Mike's Pizza. Including this week. Yeah. Maybe it's a little too soon, but when it comes to the Four Peaks, maybe the Four Uve Big Men were actually down there today instead of the beer. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say maybe, maybe not. Yeah, that was funny there, Ben White. Look at Ben trying to hold back a smile right there. Ben, that was funny. Um, but again, Mountain Mike's Pizza, check out the show notes and the link in the description. Um, all right. Now, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that, but um, all right. Oh, the other one, thing- one other thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, offensively, uh, Arizona scored 77 points tonight. When Arizona scores 77, they ought to win a game. Uh, so it, it wasn't like Arizona's offense, even though and and the uh, 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 gentleman who commented below about 35 three pointers is is spot on. Uh, and Andre Veris, the great Andre Veris, who has many times been to the tap and bottle watch parties. Uh, but up until a lot of those at the end, Arizona was roughly 45 to 50% from three point range, which means that that aspect was working relatively well and keeping them in game. And again, Ramey had a phenomenal game today. Right. Uh, so maybe his number, uh, helped to, uh, tilt that margin a little bit. But one of the things that becomes a problem when Tabella specifically isn't in the game or one of the bigs, you know, isn't playing for a long period of time. One of the peaks. Indeed. Is uh, Arizona's relative inconsistency to get to the rim. And so teams can play defensively a little bit more traditionally. They don't necessarily have to try to double team to figure out what you're going to do about a Tabellas and a Ballo. And uh, that often makes things a little bit more difficult on the wing players. Uh, Ramey, you know, Ramey does obviously had a good game, but most of his uh, offense was from three-point range. Larson uh, is a guy who can get to the rack, and Henderson uh, can do some of the same stuff, but Creasa really doesn't fall in that category, and Larson and Henderson aren't necessarily consistent at doing it as well. So when Tabellis got into trouble, and it's, I think, Building upon what Ben was talking about in regards to how important he is, he you have a trickle-down component there. When he's in the game, you have to focus on him. You have to do, generally speaking, one of two things. Uh, you're, 
you got to work really hard and double team to Bellis and hope he doesn't kick the hell out of you. Right. Or uh, you've got to hope that nobody else kicks the hell out of you and Tabellis is going to score 40. Uh, so, you know, that, that, that becomes a difficult thing to navigate. Usually what happens for Arizona, especially when offense has been utilized well as it has been. And even to a large degree without Tabellis, again, they scored 77. They put up 77 today without Tabellis. Right. So, you know, their offense did some good things. Um, and it, but, and generally speaking, it puts a lot of pressure on the opposition again, it wasn't really even with that being the, the problem, I think, was Arizona's inability just to match point for point. Yeah. Right. And what was supposed to happen in this game is it was it was exactly the opposite. You knew that it was Stanford that was not going to be able to match up point to point. Arizona got up nine at one point. You could argue, I think, that Arizona lost this game in the last minute of the first half. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. it, was, it, it was a nine Agreed. point lead. And then it was cut to three at the break. And then after that, Jones was able to get involved and they started trading baskets back and forth. And then the offensive rebounds occurred and Stanford eventually got on its own mini run. And it was it was Arizona without its best player that wasn't uh, able to keep up. It was a frustrating day on the defensive end where Stanford did an excellent job being one step ahead of Arizona. And But I suspect it's also an opportunity for a big chewing out uh, in practice this week. And I would hope that Arizona bounces back favorably. Ben White? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of defensive focus in uh, practice this week. And I think I think she's right. But I think when it comes to the offense, you can also flip that and say, well, they scored 79 points, but it also took a career high from Ramey scoring 26, which doesn't happen. I mean, he's a guy who's typically going to give you 10 to 15. So if you put him more at a realistic level, Arizona very well loses this game a lot more than they did tonight. So it's a problem. And I think when you look at the sample size of the way that this team has played and you look at what they do inside with Tuvelis, if he's not playing well and he has a game like this, Arizona's doomed as, as we've talked about. But, you know, 35 threes, that's just not the way Arizona plays basketball. And, and Lloyd has even said it after the game. We all know it watching tonight. And while it was really good for somebody like Ramey to build confidence and get going, there has to be that balance inside. And this was a game that we knew from the get-go once Tubelis was in foul trouble and once Arizona just had absolutely no ability or even desire to go inside, this was going to be a game of threes. And who shot the most threes, who made the most threes. And while the first half of the game is certainly important, I wouldn't say it's what lost Arizona the game, but in the second half, when Arizona goes cold for feet from three, those two Creasa shots, some of those other guys, uh, guards not being able to make threes down the stretch when it turns into a 9-10 point Stanford lead, that was a problem for Arizona. It's just, it, it, they were throwing off their game plan and they didn't really have a, a backup plan just because you didn't have any presence inside. And once two Bellis is out of the equation, it really disrupts what this team is trying to do offensively. And more importantly, defensively, just given how bad their defense was and how well Stanford shot tonight. So all around, it just created a rippling effect and it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Well, well, right. And Ben, like you said, too, and like YouTube, uh, YouTube, uh, Stan, uh, YouTube user Stanford averages 43% field goals and 33%. Today, they hit 61 and 55. It was an uphill battle with those kind of numbers. Great point. Um, I don't worry so much about because some teams are just going to get hot. I worry about the ease with which some of the I think the that's the part that bothers me more. Stanford was getting some pretty open shots there, and especially in the second half, too. They were getting they were getting offensive rebounds that were real backbreakers for the Cats. Those are the two things that I keep coming back to, though. And you should. The offensive rebound thing is a big deal. Let's reverse engineer. Um, we've 
mentioned this is this is an area that concerns me come tournament time is I'm not sure how I think I think it's fair to say this game and the Oregon game and Eugene aside that between those games Arizona's defense has improved and I think you can favorably argue that it's improved significantly however Part of me is also concerned that the Pac-X has a lot of very inconsistent offensive teams, and Arizona has benefited as a result of being able to be more consistent on the offensive end for a longer period of time, whereas other teams go cold. Example would be today. This is not unlike the type of performances, uh, at least in the first 10 minutes, that we've seen against Arizona. Team come out, comes out, gets hot, hits a bunch of threes, stays in the game. Arizona sort of stays in that defense, generally speaking, figuring that the, uh, the opposition is going to regress to the mean, that Arizona's offense is going to be a little bit more consistent. They're going to win the game. More often than not, exactly that has happened. However, what happens with really good offensive teams out there who run very good stuff? Is Arizona's defense up to that challenge and I'm not entirely sure and oddly enough as much as we've talked about athleticism on the wing being a problem for Arizona part of my concern now becomes teams that run offenses really well and and, right. and then is Arizona in a position where it can match them bucket to bucket and I'm not entirely sure and I guess so and you know that's part of the entertainment of uh, the NCAA tournament Arizona is a miserable matchup for a lot of teams that play in other conferences. But obviously, and we saw this, uh, an inkling of this potentially tonight, there are certainly teams out there that, uh, that are seated in different slots that uh, obviously can be a bit difficult for the Cats as well. Right. All right. Before we get to Ben White, though, let's talk about the four peaks. I have been screaming for the peaks. We haven't uh, we haven't seen the peaks out there. Many people out there want to see the peaks as well. But if you went to the tap and bottle watch party, you could have gotten four peaks as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, check out the show notes and the link in the description. 21 and up. Arizona only, uh, or not Arizona only, sorry. I'm still a little bit under the weather right here. But again, four peaks. Check it out. Good stuff. You and know, four peaks will make you feel better. For sure, it will. And Phoenix Diehards. This is where you go on there, and you can get all kinds of good, uh, fun merchandise, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Check it out. PHNX Diehards. And uh, you'll be happy that I sent you. Uh, Rich Carrillo right here said, good, good show tonight, fellas. Rich, I'm glad that you like me now because I like you as well. I wonder who Uncle Kevin is picking. Woody, um, I believe Kevin uh, – Kevin will always back the coaches, so I believe Kevin is looking for a tie in the Super Bowl right there. Oh, wow. uh, you don't think he's going all Andy Reid, all uh, Andy Reid all the time? Yeah, no, he's going Andy Reid. You're right. You're right. You're right. Good, good call. Good call. Um, all right, now, um, and he's probably doing me, that for our good pal Brad Alice too. Yes, uh, this to me for Chiefs fan Brad Alice. This is actually very funny. Did Marcel Yates give the pregame speech tonight? <laughs> That's very, very funny. Good stuff, right My there. Goodness. All right. So, all right. Um, Arizona, though, you got this, you got this out of the way. You still got a trip to the LA schools. All I'll say, all I'll say is this is that um, if you go to the LA schools, you win those games, nobody thinks about these games. You're right back in it for where what you want to do. Big picture, Arizona still has its goals still intact, to be honest with you. Because again, I don't agree with anybody there, uh, 
Um, I don't agree with anybody that says that uh, the number one seed is out of the books. I think Arizona can, again, you're 22 and four. If you mean to tell me if a team that's 31 and five with, if you beat UCLA, isn't going to be in contention there. I would just disagree with you, Shu. Yeah. And, 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 and I would fall under that category as well. But again, Arizona is not, Arizona might be a team that gets a lot of discussion based on the variance of their performances. Uh, good wins, as you've noted, that stack up with anybody and a couple losses that, uh, you know, our, our head scratches a little bit. And, and, and if there are folks on the committee with heads like mine, that hurts the skin a little bit. You don't, you don't want to scratch too much. Uh, you know, you, you want to look cosmetically pleasing when you come out of that committee and pop on all the uh, sports shows explaining why the hell it is that you only put two pack X teams uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, while you put, as Mike noted, 13 Big 12, uh, Big 10 teams in the process. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's still plenty of room for maneuverability. It's obviously not a good – it makes things a little bit more difficult than Mike and Ben. You've talked a lot about, quote, margin of error. Uh, from an overall seeding standpoint, this affects that a little bit, but it doesn't take Arizona out of the uh, number one seed conversation, I think by any stretch of the imagination, because again, as Ben talked about, uh, you have a lot of teams across the country. What Ben, uh, four today, four in the top 12, four in the top 12 lost today. So, uh, three other pregame shows are possibly having the same conversation in regards to who they ultimately, you you know, what their seating ultimately is. So I think Arizona, you know, is in position to still, uh, get a favorable seed, whether that's a one to, I think they're more likely at this stage to be a one than they are a three. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. If they land on the two line, that's still a very good line to land. I think probably the more important thing, certainly from a fan base standpoint and a potential home away from home uh, standpoint, is if Arizona can play in the West. And if right. Arizona can get to, that helps. If Arizona can get to Vegas, that's a big deal. Uh, so those are the things that Arizona still has on the table and still has opportunities. And its fan base, if that's the case, can go a long way toward helping them out. I think there's reason to believe that Arizona is going to play the first weekend, uh, you know, in one of the two Western time zones. From there, you know, does this, uh, you know, if they keep advancing, obviously, does this performance affect that? You know, maybe in the eyes of the committee, it does. Ben White? Yeah, and I, I think, too, when you look at everything that unfolded today, if you're an Arizona fan, if you're following the team, I think the one thing you have to really be grateful for in all of this today is you'd rather have this happen on a day like today, February 11th, than you would mid-March. And I think we all had the conversations uh, last postgame specifically, and obviously all throughout the year too, is to Tubelis being so automatic, what happens if he has an off night? Well, you saw what happens if he has an off night. You saw what happens if Tubelis is ineffective. This team runs through Tubelis. So if you're an Arizona fan, you look at some of the issues that they had tonight. It makes total sense as to why they lost. But you also look at some of the the thin lining, the uh, silver lining things in uh, in Stanford when it comes to their shooting from the field and especially from three and just things that you aren't accustomed to seeing as an Arizona fan, give up, giving up uh, shots the way they did tonight. So Arizona has to build off of this. They have to be more smart and effective moving forward. And yeah, if, if, if you take care of business against the mountain schools, you beat ASU and you beat UCLA at least once here, and then you go take care of business in the Pac-12 tournament, we're still right on track. To me, tonight doesn't do a whole lot as long as Arizona responds accordingly. All right. Uh, one, one other thing, Mike, before you get out of here. 
you know that this podcast is international, right? It you is. Know that not only are we in, are, are we dominating North America? We are worldwide and dominating Europe. We're making an imprint <coughs> in Asia as well. We have viewership from Vietnam tonight, spanning the globe with the constant variety of brilliance that comes to you in Wildcat post-game broadcasts. And these are people, too, that are not turned off by the idea that the people at DraftKings are paying us to not bash the officiating. By the way, that Man, makes I me need a raise. That makes me yeah, feel okay. really, really good about myself, that people out there believe that I am somehow on DraftKings radar to the point where I am getting paid to not criticize the officiating. I'm flattered, to be honest with you. Never knew you had so much power. But on that note, everybody out there, really appreciate you. At the end of the day, I'm just going to say this. Arizona is 22-4, and probably going to fall to about that woeful spot of 7 or 8 in the top 10. Let's – everything's okay. Regroup, back the A – For John Schuster, Ben White, thanks for retweeting me, Ben. Appreciate you. I am merely Mike Luke. I will be back with you tomorrow. Ben and Shu will be back with us next week. Um, Emma Clark behind the scenes. Always appreciate you, Emma. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats postgame show.